just ask you a question, kind of get us around this particular idea. I don't know about you, but I think there's a, a summary that you could do just of, of humanity. We are constantly looking for a place to belong and to connect. Like Augustine said it real well. He says, our hearts are restless until we find rest in thee. I, 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 don't, know, what about you? I don't know about you, but when you go around, you, you and I, we say certain things just to fit in. Come on, somebody. Yeah, we, we act a certain way just so that we can belong. Oh, that's what that group is like? You have to dress like this? You have to speak like that? You have to hang out with them? Done. And, and Romans 12 reminds us that's conformity to the world. That's li- like we talked about last week. That's living from the outside in. Now, wh- what, we, what we really try to do is we stir up this, mm, I want to belong. I really want a place. I want to I connect and I want to be a part. And, and God says this constantly to us, but we just get, we get distracted by the world. We want to fit in because we really want to find our place. But sadly mistaken, we look on the outside for love. We look around us to discover that we fit in. We look everywhere around and outside of us to try to figure out our deep connection and our longing. And our hearts don't really get dampened. They get more stirred up. Well, if that wasn't the play, if sports wasn't the, the outlet that I get connected and that's my team, well, I'm going to go to music. If music isn't it, maybe it's education. If it's not academics, we're going to be this. And, and we just go around every single endeavor trying just to fit in. But what if I told you that we're looking, and this is not a song, what if, we, what if I told you that we were looking for love in all the wrong places? <laughs> Give me a guitar. I can just go to town. <laughs> what if we stop looking for love around us and outside of us? And, and what if we realize, come on church, what if we realize that the depth of love that we are truly long for is right inside of us? How many problems would that solve? How many, how many times will we not step out and try to be really fitting in with other people when we, we, we realize, I already have a place. I already fit in. Somebody already knows my name. Somebody already loves me deeply. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this idea down. Here's my title. Being deeply, deeply, and fully loved. What would your life look like? What would the expression of your words, what would your marriage look like? What would your, what would your capacity to give look like? If you already knew, you didn't have to search around for love. Love was already found tucked down deep within you, and you are deeply and fully loved. I think it needs probably, I don't know, a repetition of about a hundred times for us to hear that, for it to sink in. So I need your help. Come on, right here in the Southern Pines campus, all the way at the Seven Lakes campus, look to the person right next to you and say, you're deeply and you're fully loved. Tell them that right now. Come on, turn to them. Tell them. Don't, you're deeply and fully loved. I hope I convinced you. You know what I mean? Like, come on, let them know there's some truth in that. You are, you're looking good, by the way, but you're deeply and fully love. You don't need my words. You just need to unearth the truth that's already inside of you. You're deeply and you're fully loved. Don't let me convince you. Let the word of God speak for itself. First Corinthians chapter 13. I think we have wrongly taken this description and expression of love and limit it to a horizontal meaning. 
I don't know about you, but I've gone to a lot of weddings. Amen? Got a lot of weddings. And 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter is, is, is read. Hey, no shame in that. That's all good. But I, I want to just make sure the main thing is the main thing. What this verse and chapter and section is talking about is not a marriage or, or a relationship love that goes back horizontal. It's a profound, life-changing, heaven-to-earth type of love that won't stop for anything. It's relentless. It's faithful. It's grace-filled. It's mercy-bound. <laughs> hey, like, this is earth-shattering stuff right here. All right, let me just stop. Let me let God speak. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, that would be impressive. If I understood all mysteries, you'd be the first. And if I had all knowledge, that would be awesome too. And even if I had faith as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Eugene Peterson in the message translation says, you're bankrupt. Verse 3, it says, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned like a martyr, we've seen that before in past. But the thing is, if you haven't loved even doing that, you gain nothing. Verse 4, let me tell you about a love that I have only known about. From heaven, in the face of Jesus, He's patient, he's kind, love does not envy. This type of heaven-sent love coming down to earth doesn't boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It isn't irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth because the truth sets you free. Love bears all things, believes all things, hope all things, and endures all things. Love, it's not fickle, it's not shallow. It's not lust because love never ends. Now for prophecies, because we just talked about that, they're going to pass away. As for tongues and languages, at some point in time, they're going to be ceasing. As for knowledge, that too will pass away. Verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, but I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but one day, somebody say one day, we'll see face to face. Now I see in part, but once, come on, say one day, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. That's the kind of love that God says I have for you. And it also talks about, and I want to get to this, the love that you have inside of you you just didn't know it because if you knew you had that type of love already inside of you and you didn't need to earn it you didn't need to get it you didn't need to try to go uh, obtain it it was already in your possession if you had that kind of love I'd be convinced that we'd use it we'd use it now let me just let me just show you and tell you why I think you already have this type of love in you uh, check this out go down to verse number 12 first Corinthians 13 now we see in a mirror dimly. What do, you, what do you look at? What do you see when you look into a mirror? Anybody? You, yourself. You look in a mirror and you see yourself. A, re, a mirror is a reflection. Now remember, Jesus doesn't really have much interest at all about our outward appearance. He makes that defiantly true in 1 Samuel 16 
when Samuel comes up to David and all of Jesse's brothers and said, hey, we're looking for a king. Yes, you are. Go, go anoint him. And he goes up there and he sees all of his brothers. Wow, you look like a king. You look like the next king. Your stature looks like a king. He says, listen, here's a principle I'm going to overlay across all of humanity. It's called the first mention. When God first mentions something, he rides it out for eternity because everything he starts, come on somebody, he finishes. And he says, don't look on the outward appearance of man. God looks at the heart. He looks at the condition of your soul. He looks at the motives deep within because he treats you as though he made you because he did. He views you as the image of God tucked down inside. He's not distracted by all the behavior and the bad decisions, etc. Come on, you with me? So, so here he is looking in a mirror. And what you see isn't the outward appearance, but it's a Oh, you come. it's a reflection of somebody else inside of you. Who is that? The image of God. It is God himself. He said, I tucked them down in there. You just need to remove some stuff, and there I am. I want you to look in the mirror, and now look, look at it. It says, it, when you look in the mirror right now, right now, today, right at this very moment, you see dimly. Your mirror is fogged up a little bit. You see parts of it throughout your life. You look into the mirror and you say, wow, could that that have been? That answered prayer, was that? Was that? That that, uh, that higher power, was that Jesus? Was that him interacting with my life? You see those little nuances in part today, but someday, face to face, clearly there he is. He has been there the whole time, and I wasn't aware of it. Then he goes on. He says, um, now, right now, we know what's inside of us in part. We see this in part. We see it trickled through. What do we see? The love of God tucked down inside of you, being reflected like the moon and the mirror as the image of God inside of you. Somebody say amen. This is amazing. God says, I I finished this up for you. You know, if you have prophetic powers, if you have all knowledge, if you have all faith, all good and well, but if you have not love, you got nothing. Let me go on. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love endures all things. But but if you look into the mirror and you don't find Jesus in there, what you're finding, you're discovering that you don't see the love. God says, that's my motive for making you. That's my heart behind this whole thing. I want to remove the sin because it has no good interest in your life. I want to remove the distractions and I want to be with you. I had to move mountains. It's called sending my son from heaven to earth just so that I could be with you. And God says, I want you to see it. I want you to see it. I want you to see it. I want it to be a reflection in your life. So, so what, what can we use? I mean, just think about it. What can we use as a mirror so that we can really truly see past the appearances and we can start seeing that the love of God is deep within us? What can we, what? I wish there was something that we could use. I wonder if we could just use something. We could just, I wonder what we could, I wonder we have our mirror. We just got to open it up. And this has a brilliant way. I talked a little bit about this, so I'm not going to belabor it. Last week, this book has a way of allowing truth to separate soul and spirit, get down to the core of who we are, 
define us and express us in the love in which we were made so that we don't get distracted by all the other junk in this world, so that we can stop conforming to that idea and start allowing us to be an extension of the image of God. That is the love that's tucked down within us. Love that doesn't fail, love that's not irritable, love that doesn't, it's not rude, love that doesn't count wrongs, love that is powerful, love that changes life, love that is filled with grace, love that has mercy on it, love doesn't have any regard to time because it's timeless. It comes down from heaven and what is bound in heaven will be bound on earth. Love that is true. And if you are honestly true with yourself, you ripped out all the things that don't belong and you were open and exposed and said, God, I want to know the truth about my heart and the condition of my soul. That truth would set you free. Because you're not trying to be like anybody else. You're free to be you. That's who God made you to be. Now, don't let me convince you by just one particular chapter. So let's go over to Ephesians 3, shall we? Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Another letter written by Paul himself. And he's wanting to make sure that we gain this concept. There is something great within you. It's called Christ who dwells within. Fantastic concept, but weird at the same time if you physically think about it. There's a person inside of you. I think that's called pregnancy. But in in this particular matter, Jesus dwells inside of my heart. You're like, sort of a weird idea. But oh, wait, you just keep reading. It's through faith. Believing for a second, believing that your life, the old one that you didn't want in the first place, that one's gone and what truly lives is Jesus coming through you. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't that what we've been talking about? Isn't, isn't that the idea of, of this is the life that we just need to chip away and there's something down deep within our life that needs to fully express itself? Yes, that is Jesus within. Colossians 3, the hope of glory is Christ in you. The kingdom of God, Luke 17, come on somebody. The kingdom of God isn't somewhere to be found and say, there it is, here it is. It's within. So here it is. Paul, yet again, verse 17. Christ may dwell in your heart through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now you're gonna, you're gonna, now listen, you're gonna need to have some deep roots when big storms come. Are you following? You're going to really need to be grounded, grounded deep if your calling really calls you to go high. You following? If you got a great call, you got to make sure that the footing is down deep. If, if the wind and the storms and the criticisms and praises of man are going to come your way, you got to make sure the roots are deep. Now, here's the same analogy that Jesus and Paul here gives you. You need to be rooted and grounded because what I'm about to tell you may shake your life and I don't want to tear you down. You're going to need strength to hear what I'm about to say. Are are, are you ready? Are you ready? No, no, he says like, you need a foundation because you can't be wobbly when you hear this next phrase. You, You can't have shallow roots because this wave of goodness may just tip your trees over. Come on, you catching this? So, so here, here he is. You need to be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18. So that you may have the strength to comprehend 
with all the saints. You can't even do this alone. You need an entire family with you. You need saints around. You need the people to your left and your right and to your front and your back. You need groups of people around you so that you can comprehend with all the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. What are we trying to figure out here? And to know the love of Christ. (laughs) Come on, somebody. This is it. The length, the breadth, the depth so that you may comprehend. No, no. You need roots to go deep. You need a foundation so that you can just begin to comprehend. Well, you can't do it by yourself. You need all the rest of the saints so that you can realize that you are filled to the fullness of God with his love. It's already inside of you. Seven people caught that, but that's all we needed to shake a city. We're good, Lord. We're ready. Come on. The greatest commandment Jesus gave us, Matthew 22. Matthew 22. The greatest commandment, he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and your mind. This is the first, the greatest commandment. Verse 39. Check it out. The second is like it. It's like so close, I don't don't even know if they're in numerical, but it's like it. Then he says this, listen, love your neighbor as yourself. Now here's here's the, I just got to be honest with you, and I I don't think you'd be disagreeing with this assessment. We're not really good at loving other people. We're okay being cordial only with people who are like us. Anybody want to agree with that? But if they, if they don't think like me, you know, they're wrong. <laughs> if they don't have the same background as me, I don't know, I guess I'm sort of better than them. See, we're just not, we're not good at this love thing. Now, now the thing is, when, when we give out symptoms like what I'm talking about, people are different. They don't go to our church. They don't go to church in general. You judged them. They don't believe what you believe. You judged them. They don't dress like you dress. You judge them. You don't, they don't talk like you do. You don't, they don't have the education that you do. You judge them. So all of a sudden, this is, now listen, we're better than that. This is all happening internally. You know what I'm saying? I mean, nobody would dare express this on the outside. We wouldn't say all this. I'm just airing your dirty laundry for you. You're welcome. <laughs> the problem is we just, don't, we just don't love your neighbor. You don't love the other person. You don't love Mormons, a different religion. You don't love people who claim to be gay. You don't love them. You don't love people who are on the other side of political arena than you. Whatever it is, there's, there's differences in people. There is people at your work that are just annoying. You don't love them. So, so here it is. We have an issue. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the issue is not a giving of love problem. Because if we had love, so much love that Jesus actually talks about, love that never ends, love that is not biased, love that is not rude, love that doesn't count wrongs, love that is from heaven, love that penetrates past the shallows and gets to the deep quarters of someone's heart, love that dwells so that you would need some comprehension and some strength. Come on, somebody. Love that makes a difference in people's lives. Love that sees past their color of their skin and looks to the image of God within. Love that doesn't care what they think or what they do that goes past that. Love that doesn't regard rules and regulations broken or accepted 
but loves them for who they are. A love that doesn't care what they can do for you, but who they are. That type of love we need help with. And just like any other relationship, it's not a matter of giving, it's a matter of receiving. So the issue is, let me just paint this picture. If someone came up to you and they asked for a drink of water and you realized you had the ocean as your resource and were given a cup, how easy would it be to dip into your ocean of refreshing water, hand it over to that person who needed a drink and gladly give them? I've got plenty. There's no way I will ever run out because you're going to need strength and a lot of scuba gear to go to the depth, the breadth, and the length of my water. God says, that's the kind of ocean that I have for love for you. So I, I believe that whenever we see this, love the person in front of you as yourself, it's not an inability to love others. It's an inability to allow the love of God to be exposed and found in our life so that we can dip in with our cup and say, I got plenty. You're not like me, but I'll love you anyway. You don't think like me, and I'm going to love you all the more. You don't speak like me, but I'm still going to love you. I'm going to cross out and destroy the separation and the segregation and the hatred and the racism and the background because love truly wins and the victories over everything that we get so frustrated about. Listen, our, our relationship with God is just like any other relationship with uh, uh, earthly relationships that we have here. That what we do is we, we actually just dive in in layers. Like there's no relationship that we have. Maybe you're married right now. There's no relationship that we have that day one on first day, you just jumped right into the pool of vulnerability and said, this is me. You know what I mean? Like nobody exposes all their weaknesses on date number one. You just wouldn't have date number two. Come on, somebody. So, so we do like everybody else. For the first area, the first layer that we give is the good layer. This is me. This is my accomplishments. And then if things are going pretty well, she's sticking around, guys, then you open up layer number two. And it's a layer that is so vulnerable and so dangerous. You're thinking, I guess I'm going to try it. Here's me. Few of my weaknesses. And you just keep unveiling the vulnerability because the part is you and I long, long to be connected. Not at the surface, but deeply. Because here's the thing. When you show other people the areas of your life, they're only going to be able to love the areas in which you show them. And if you only show them the facade and the false self that lives from the outside in, you're not going to really receive unconditional love because they don't really truly know you. But if you were so vulnerable enough to say, I'm going to open it all up. You know who I am. This is what I struggle with. This is my fear. This is my weakness. This is my gift, but this is also my pride. This is going to be my calling, but this is also going to be where I fail. I'm going to need your help with every single part of it. I want, to, I want to let you know where I come alive most, but also what can be my vice. I want you to know where you can pray for me, but I also want you to know where I'm strong, where I can support you. I want you to know what season of life that I'm in because I need things in different seasons. 
And those are the exposures down deep within our soul that we say, God, I want your help. And the more that we open up in vulnerability with God, the more we do it with other people. Every single layer of vulnerability we expose is deeper and deeper to the unknown parts of our soul. And I got to be honest, it's scary. Because the deeper we allow other people to go, the harder it's going to hurt. And that's what love does, right? It hurts a little bit. Come on, you just got to be honest. The ones that you have been hurt the most are the ones closest to you. And Jesus says, don't worry, I know all about that. The ones that I'm here to set free are the ones that hurt me the most. And Dr. David Benner, I've been quoting him because I've been getting so much out of his book, says this when it comes to this idea of, of layers of vulnerability. He says, energy invested in maintaining safety and comfort always depletes energy available to love others. L- let me just tell you this. What he's, what he's saying is the more energy and effort you spend on trying to build up an image and the facade of the false self, the less energy you have to pay attention to the person that's in front of you, to serve the person that's in front of you. If you're trying to always make yourself look good and paint the picture on the outside, you've got no effort left over to actually love somebody deeply on the inside. And we need to stop the energy. We need to stop the effort to try to put the image and the appearance that everything is okay and open ourselves to vulnerability so that we can truly find the intimacy that we long for with God and others. And let me say it like this. Intimacy doesn't occur without vulnerability. You're never going to be deeply connected with your spouse, with God, with your friends, with other people. You're never going to be truly belonging with them. They're not going to know you. You're not going to know them. Intimacy never happens until you get into the, the great unknown, the adventure called vulnerability. I'm just going to start it. Okay, God, here I am. This may hurt a little bit, but this is where I'm going to start. 